Hello everybody and welcome to the Start Life podcast that covers everything dirt from camping to mountain biking to exploring and the general love of the great outdoors. If you want to go and head over to Facebook, check out Las Vegas Cyclery's webpage or Facebook page I should say and you can find our four-part Dirt Life series of women's clinics uh, which is now live so go ahead and sign up. The first clinic is on February 1st at 5.30pm at Las Vegas Cyclery in Las Vegas. We're going to be discussing everything, the clinic's called Back to Basics, so we're going to be talking about everything to get you back into riding after the new year, back into the swing of things after the festive season, talk about goal setting for 2018, maybe you're, you want to try an event, maybe you want to try a race, maybe you want to increase your mileage, maybe you want to, um, to overcome some uh, obstacles you've had in cycling, whatever the case may be, we're going to be talking about it and and um, and having a good old discussion. So uh, check that out, as I say, on Las Vegas Cyclery's Facebook page um, and you can sign up for the events there. So uh, this week I talk with Amber Hoadley of Bangtail Bikes in Bozeman, Montana. Amber is originally from Jacksonville, Florida and is a professional bike fitter, bike enthusiast, professional photographer, to name but a few. And I met Amber last year at the Specialized Women's Summit and we hit it off instantly. Both of us are the eldest of four, which I think in itself gives its own merit. <laughs> um, Amber is, is simply just a fantastic resource and is just super stoked on bikes. She even commutes to work daily, even with the brutal Montana winter that we're having just now. Um, but you know what? She knows how to get you stoked on bikes too. So if you're ever in Bozeman, go in and give her a shout. So without further ado, let's go on with the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Amber. Hello, Amber, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Lisa. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So tell us, what was the temperature today where you live? It was actually um, pretty warm today. Uh, it was about uh, in the low 30s, like around 30 Fahrenheit. So the, slow is kind of, the snow is kind of slushy and melty right now so it makes for some sloppy riding but it was really nice out the sun came out today it was blue skies and it was really really pretty nice yeah we have um yeah it actually got really warm here today so I just can't even relate to like some of your pictures that you post <laughs> like with all the snow and <laughs> it's all nice. the and stuff so you just got back from um specialized headquarters is that right Yep, that's correct. Just got so, back uh, late Friday night. Awesome. Tell us what you were doing and how was it? Yeah. Um, so I was invited back to take um, Retool Bike Fitting Level 2, okay. um, which I took Level 1 a year ago. And so I got invited back to do Level 2, which focuses on... Uh, mountain bike fitting, time trial, and triathlon fitting, and then it goes into a bit more detail as far as like riders that have um, injuries or asymmetries, um, things like that uh, with the advanced assessments, um, riders that maybe aren't, um, you know, maybe like the left side of their body is not the, you know, same alignment as the right side of their body and stuff like that. 
Right. Um, so I had an uh, unbelievably amazing time. I learned so, so much, and I got to talk to a lot of really, really amazing people while I was there. So I was really stoked. That's awesome. So was it people like literally from all over the country, or were they predominantly California-based, or...? Um, so no, the, the instructor that was there that was teaching at headquarters is, is based in Morgan Hill. They flew out three or four other, um, expert bike fitters to help teach the class. So people Mm -hmm. that have been doing this program for about 10 years, they helped start the program and they're, um, really, really well known all over the country. And there was about, um, Probably, I want to say around 15 students that were from all over the U.S. as well as a couple of people from Colombia, and then we had one student from Thailand as well. Wow! And was it how was like the male to female ratio in that group? Um, it was actually pretty good. We had four women, um, so it was it was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that kind of like brings me to like talk about the fact that like as far as like bike fitting and, and you know like uh, women in the in the bike industry, like do you feel that there is a shift happening that you're seeing more women getting involved with stuff like that? Or do you feel it's still really difficult for women to get involved? Um, I feel like it has grown um, just in the last I've been working in a shop for a grand total of five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it has grown overall. And um, the cool thing about bike fitting, they were talking to us, um, you can take this really um, intense exam. You actually have to perform a bike fit on one of the people that created the program. It's incredibly nerve-wracking. Oh, um, wow. I plan to do it one day. But there's about 150 certified fitters in the u.s that have passed that exam and they said it's about half men and half women which is really really incredible yeah um they were just talking about how women make really great fitters because um uh, we can be really good at multitasking very empathetic um good at listening you know like you have that like caretaker um um thing with it within you that makes you um just really good at doing a bike fitting because it's you know, you're helping people and you're taking care of them and you're you're taking away their pain and you're increasing their comfort. And um, so they were talking about how they they actually do have a lot of women that are that are higher up in that uh, level as far as like a career goes, um, which is really cool. So I would say it's definitely growing in in those areas. I haven't necessarily seen a growth as far as like um, just like working in shops, at least in my city. Yeah. Um, there's only a couple of us, but, but it's cool when you go somewhere that is, that is, has a larger bike scene like California and they, and they tell you some of those facts. It's very, very encouraging and inspiring. For sure. Yeah. And so I guess like, tell us about what you do. Where about in Montana are you again? Um, I'm in Southwest Montana. So I'm about an hour above Yellowstone National Park. I live in Bozeman. Um, and it's a town of about 44,000 people. Um, we've got 11 bike shops and I am one of three women that is working full time in a shop. Wow. Okay. So, and, um, I'm actually the only, I'm the only one doing retool bike fitting. There's one other place in town that does bike fitting. 
it's at a physical therapy place. Okay. Um, so as far as bike shops and bike fitting, um, I'm definitely in the minority. So I have a lot of women that come to me about awesome. saddle issues and fitting and stuff like that. So right. it's very, very cool that I sort of stumbled upon this, uh, this niche or this need right. that my, that my city had. So. And did they go into that like at all as well? Like the type of saddles and I know that they were kind of like looking to, to kind of develop some new things in that area. Were they able to kind of like shed any light on that? And did they, did they touch on, on like what kind of saddle to go for based on bike or fit or, or whatever the case may be? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they just finished doing a big, big study. Um, all I can say is they've got some really cool products that are going to launch um, this summer. So stay tuned. It's in progress. We had the ability to take a look at some of the new technology, but Ooh. nothing's been officially announced yet. So I can't really say, but stay tuned. Um, there are going to be some really cool things coming. Um, they have they have made a shift. Um, their saddle line used to have like road and mountain and hybrid specific saddles. And they've kind of shifted to um, where you choose the saddle based on your posture on the bike. Got it. Um, which is really cool and makes a lot of sense to me because you've got some people that are maybe, you know, they're upright riding on road or they're maybe really, really aggressive on their mountain bike. And the way that your pelvis tilts when you're leaning forward actually can change the fit and the type of saddle you need quite a bit. So. Um, that was a really cool thing that they they kind of shifted that a little bit, and it feel, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think that I mean I certainly have been using um, just like road saddles on my mountain bike because because you because I am in a yeah. more like aggressive position, like for racing and things like that. You are tilted forward more, and then I totally, always like totally. looking for like a saddle. Like so, right now I think I have the i had the roman saddle the specialized roman and then i had yeah. the i always get it wrong it's like is the orum or the um i'm beginning with oh the aura yeah aura yeah so it's yep a, it doesn't even begin with an o i'm dumb um <laughs> but yeah the aura. no it does it does you're on it, oh, does it? You, you got it you got okay, it okay okay yep um so that one i definitely and i i kind of like those two and i um but it's one of those things that once you find like the saddle that works for your style, mm -hmm. like I just want to keep the yeah. saddle on all my bikes. Cause you know what, if I go from cyclocross to mountain bike, like my, although mm -hmm. like it is a different geometry, my saddle is not, or my position's not that different. Um, do you totally, have the same totally. kind of consistency between your bikes or do you notice that like you do need like a, a slightly different one if you're in a different position on something or. Like, yeah, yeah. If I'm in a more aggressive position, it's really interesting. Um, so when you measure the size of your pelvis, mm -hmm. um, that kind of indicates which size saddle you need. And I'm really, like, in between um, two different sizes. Mm -hmm. And so on my race bikes and the bikes I'm more aggressive, I actually have that smaller saddle. It's right. a bit narrower. And then my touring bike, for example, I'm very upright, so I went with a slightly larger saddle. So it's really fascinating how um, your pelvic rotation can affect the size and type of saddle you need. But I've got, um, I have the Power Saddle, which is really, really a cool saddle. It's um, uh -huh. a new saddle they came out with last year. It's unisex. Um, 
and it's made for a little bit more of an aggressive position. So I've got that on like three of my bikes. And then um, the other ones are just, I've got a funny mix. I've got a mountain bike saddle on my, okay. on my city bike and my, um, my touring bike. I've got a little bit wider saddle for when I'm sitting more upright. So yeah. um, it's cool. Like once you figure out, like some people love saddles with a cutout. Some people love saddles without. And so it's, it's interesting how your anatomy can affect, can affect that. And once you find something that you like that works, that, you know, in my opinion, a good saddle will allow you to forget about your saddle. So, um, you know, you shouldn't have any pain. You shouldn't have any pressure. You shouldn't be thinking about getting off the bike. So it's like, once you find something then it's like, yeah, definitely try to make it work and stick with it for sure. Do you typically have like, I mean, I feel like I know that like a lot of women, like obviously will have excuse me, will have like saddle issues or like, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. they might find it a little bit more difficult to find that right one. Is it the same? Mm -hmm. I mean, like amongst men as well, are you finding, or did they have like kind of different complaints? Like when people come into the store, are they, or for a benefit, like, are they having the same kind of like pressure issues still? Yeah, it is. um, That's a really good question. And I would say, um, I have a lot more women that come in that are very open and honest and are very specific about the problems that are going on, whereas I feel like um, majority of men are less likely to speak about it. Like they just will either deal with the pain or, right. you know, um, they don't want they don't want to talk about it. And I mean, it could be that they don't want to talk about it with a woman, but right. um, it's interesting to me that I actually have a lot more women that are very 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 specific and detailed about what's going on yeah um but i would say majority like men and women the issues are always um you know on the nose of the saddle it's on the like the front of that like that soft tissue area that's that's getting too much pressure so the typically the resolution is step one is you need to make sure that your saddle has the correct width for your pelvis because if it's too narrow you're putting way too much pressure towards the midline of the body and if it's too wide, you're going to be rocking back and forth. You're right. going to have this awkward pressure on your hamstrings. Um, so first finding the right width and then making sure that it's nice and level. Because if it's two nose up or two nose down, that's when you're going to have all that pressure up towards the front of the saddle, right, on those, like, sensitive parts of the body. Yeah. Um, but the majority of people are like, it's too much pressure up here, and I'm going numb, or it's tingling, or I can't feel my feet, like, yeah. cutting off, you know, your yep. blood flow or your nerves or something. So yeah. um, most of the time, the, those are the issues that I see, and most of the time it is the fact that, like, the saddle is not level. Oh, okay. So, Interesting. It's interesting that, like, if you have your bike flat on the ground and you sit down and you stare at it, like, you know, eye level with the saddle, um, a lot of the bikes that come into my shop are either nose up, nose down, too far back, something like that. Like, people just don't know. Like, I had no idea about this until a couple years ago, you know? It's like, you just think that everything's the same, and it's like... You know, if you're not in the industry, it's it's so hard to even be aware of that kind of thing. So for sure, trying to like get the information out there so that people know that hey, you don't have to be uncomfortable on your bike. Like it right, can, it can be fun. <laughs> and then I guess like the other thing I was gonna say was, I mean, what would you say are a few key things if people are having if people are uncomfortable on their bike? 
Like, what are some yeah. key things that are, like, kind of red flags that they really need to get their bike fit checked? Yeah, um, I mean, if you have a lot of saddle sores or chafing going on and you've, you know, you're using nice bike shorts and you're using a good, you know, a bib short or something with a chamois, and it seems like, you know, you've got, it seems like you have everything and you're doing everything right, then I would say that's definitely um, a red flag that you're, Either your saddle is the incorrect size for you. Mm-hmm. It could be the incorrect shape for you because there's there's flat saddles and then there's saddles that are curved down and then there's saddles that are winged up in the back, like that Aura saddle you were talking about, yeah. which is great for an aggressive rider because it keeps you from sliding off the back. Um, so really there's three different shapes. There's about four different sizes, and then you have to decide cut out or no cut out. Um, so I would say, you know, anytime that you're having any kind of numbness, tingling, if you can only ride for an hour, if you're having saddle sores or any kind of like skin irritation, mm-hmm. um, it's time to just, you and your bike both need to just go into your local bike shop and be like, hey, can I chat with a fitter? Hey, yeah. can you guys look at my saddle? Like, is this even in the right place for me? Right. And see if they can set you up with a sizing or better yet, a full on fit because... Um, those are things that no cyclist should have to deal with. Um, yeah, I know we've ever. got a couple of places in, in town here and I know Steve Klaus at, at Las Vegas Cycler, I think he, he's been through the retool stuff as well. And it's just yeah. it definitely like, it just is worth its weight in gold, like being properly fit on your bike. That's for sure. Oh, it's, it's huge. It's huge. I used to have knee pain and I could only ride for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. I got a professional bike fit and now I can go out and do centuries. I can go ride for eight hours and I don't yeah. have any problems other than, you know, just feeling tired or like leg fatigue right. or something like that. Right. Like the normal kind of like soreness that you should feel. Like The soreness that you should feel after playing a sport. Like it right. should never be, you should, you know, you should never have like numbness or like body parts that are you know shutting down or like right. you know, injuries and things like that is just like a huge no-no yeah. that's happening to you you definitely need to go chat with someone yeah I mean I know that um after I did Breck Epic this past year I got the um mm-hmm. uh, I can't even think what it's called now but the it's like this I basically like had a compressed nerve just from like spending so much time on my bike, like every single day. Mm. And it was Mm -hmm. so painful. Like I literally couldn't ride my bike for, it was at least a week. I couldn't even sit on a saddle. I just had to let that inflammation Mm -hmm. kind of go down and then, and then able to kind of get back to it. But I think it was just, there was like lots of like just grinding climbs, like where you're just like kind of everything was, everything was a lot, you know? But yeah, yeah. That's not that was like an abnormal situation. You know, normally I can be out and ride my bike for hours and hours and hours and not have an issue with that. So, but it was interesting sure. to me to like actually experience that and be like, "Huh, okay, that's what it feels like." Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, I mean, to, people people that go bike touring and stuff like that, they can encounter tendonitis and like overuse yeah. injuries and that sort of thing. Um, I've had people stop into my shop while they're in the middle of a tour and yeah. they're like, can you please help me like this or this is like going numb or I just right. can't sit down on my bike seat anymore. And, right. and it's hard to, like, it's hard to fit someone if they're currently experiencing those issues. Like you almost right. have to wait for it to calm down a bit before you can solve the problem because it can be hard to find a solution if you're just 
in pain the whole the whole time. Absolutely. And so I guess then it comes to like you mentioned there before about having like a good bib, a good chamois. Um, let's talk about that for a second because I know yeah. I know there's someone in town recently who um they were posting <clears throat> about going riding and stuff and um but they were just miserable like not even an hour in because they were just wearing like leggings for this like yeah monstrous bike. Um yeah. And I was like, you have to wear a chamois. Again, is that like a, um, when people are coming, like when people are new coming into the store, uh, like new to cycling, yep. and then you, mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, you have to wear this. And then you present them with this like bib short or something, what looks like some yep. sort of like adult diaper. How do you make that yep. sell? <laughs> you know, cause like a lot of people, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't want to have that. Cause it looks like big and bulky and how do you yeah, like yeah. convert the newbie to actually realize that it's actually so beneficial for you to have a good mm -hmm. fitting chamois and um <clears throat> while you're riding? So the benefit of bibs is that you don't have a tight waistband digging into your stomach when you're in that bent forward position. Right. Um so automatically that makes it a lot more comfortable. It also holds the chamois in place, so nothing's moving around. So one of the things that causes chafing is when things are moving. So, like, if you've tried to bike around town in jeans, obviously it's not going to feel super comfortable because a lot of the fabric is moving against your skin. So this keeps anything from moving around. You don't have anything slipping down. Your shorts aren't falling down in the back, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge fan of bibs. Mm -hmm. Also, you're going to have a shirt on. No one's going to see the weird little shoulder straps. Right, um, right. So, yeah, doing bibs with chamois butter for any ride over an hour is my recommendation. Um, I have a lot of people that come in and they're wearing underwear underneath their bibs, which is a huge no-no because then you've got cotton involved and then you've got other layers of fabrics that are also going to just move around and cause shaving so wear your chamois wear it for one ride and then throw it in the washer do not wear it again um but yeah one of the one of the ways i sell it is i mean honestly just like personal experience like i share stories with them about how i started out in cycling some of the mistakes i made and like some of the amazing things that i've discovered like wearing a bib short with a little bit of chamois butter on a longer ride is like huge it will just make you so much more comfortable right um but yeah i mean a lot of places you know if you try out a product and you don't love it um you know if you have your receipt they'll let you return it but um yeah yeah luckily a lot of the brands that i work for offer that that okay. guarantee so it's nice to be able to let people try it and if they're really dissatisfied they can bring it back or swap it out for something else for but, sure um you know i try to give them like two or three like must-have items I'm like, if you do nothing else, please do these things. Please try it. Um, what are those? You know, it's not for everyone, but for most people, it'll make you more comfortable. Definitely. Right. So what are those like three things or must haves that you would recommend people getting into cycling <clears throat> or even just like people who've maybe been cycling, but they don't know. Yeah. They don't know the things that they're missing, you know? Yeah. I mean, having your bike set up properly, um, proper seat height, making sure that you can actually reach the brakes and shifters, being able to reach the controls on your bike is huge to me. That's number one important. Like 
you know, checking your brakes, checking your brake pads. That's like number one safety. Like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. drive your car without brakes. Like please don't ride your bike without brakes. So like (laughs) just making sure that your bike is in good condition and you can reach all the controls to me is number one. Um, And then, yeah, number two is comfort. Like you want to have a nice pair of shorts. You know, you don't have to get the super thick ones if you're just commuting a nice little liner short underneath your jeans or your dress nobody has to know and yet you know all of your most important parts can still be super happy at the end of the day right after your commute um and then obviously a good helmet and after about five years your helmet is done and you should trash it because the sunlight and the uv rays will just cook the foam out so five years is a lifetime for a helmet um, please replace your helmet after five years. Otherwise, it's not going to help you very much if you have a run-in. Or if you've had a crash, ditch it. Or if you've had a crash. If you've crashed, toss it. Like, yeah. that's it. It's done. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of lights on the bike as well. I ride with lights all day and all night. During the day, I have them in flash mode because I don't want cars pulling out in front of me. I want people texting to be able to look up and see me. So... Good chamois, a good fit, a great helmet, and some lights, and you're you're set to go. All the other yeah. stuff will just will just come later. So yeah. So I I'm not a person that uses chamois butter, and I think okay. honestly I like um not to get like too into like too much detail and stuff, but like. Like, mm-hmm. where are you supposed to be putting that stuff? Is it, like, in the crease between, like, your yeah. like in your groin? Or is it all over your bum? Like, is it where are you putting it? Because <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's... Like, I know. That can be like, super weird. Um, yeah, like, we talk about, like, so... sammy butter. <laughs> and also, don't get it mixed up with, like, uh, what's that stuff that guys put on their legs? Like, on your, are you put it on your quads, like, to warm them up? Oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> like, um... Like a embro. Yeah, what is that embro. stuff? There you go. Yeah, yeah, Imbro. Yeah, please uh, don't get it confused with Imbro. That's no. terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah, I've actually used Shami Butter lately. I've been using the DZ Nuts for her Pro, and it's really, really nice. Hmm. Um, but I'm also a fan of just the Shami Butter for her. So basically, um, short version is, especially for ladies, you have a specific pH balance down there. And once it gets out of balance, that's when you get weird infections, bacteria, etc. So the chamois butter for her is specifically pH balanced to keep mm. all your lady parts in the same safe, happy, healthy zone. Okay. So I'm a fan of using that one. Um, what I do is I just think about like my body on the saddle and I just take that bottle and I just squirt just a line down the center of my shorts before I put them on. Really? And then, oh, yeah, I just go straight down, like, top to bottom, right down the middle of my shorts, nice little squiggly line, like you're putting, you know, ketchup on a hot dog or something like that, (laughs) you know, just right right down the middle of the pad. And then I put a little bit on my fingers, and I'll just put them a tiny bit on the inside of my thighs, because sometimes the inside of my thighs rub on the saddle, they rub on my shorts. So basically, you're just wanting to put it anywhere that, you think chasing could potentially happen. So I'm thinking moving parts. So inside of my thighs and just the entire center line of the padding in my shorts where I'm going to be having the most contact with the saddle. And the same Um, guys then as well? I just, what's that? Is it the same thing for guys then as well? 
Yeah, I would. I mean, you're you're putting your body in contact with the saddle, so like, just put the chamois butter right in between. Like, I would just put a nice little strip down the center, and then put your shorts on, and you're good to go. Um, that's been the easiest, most convenient, you know, sanitary, clean way that I can discover. Right. Um, and like I said, I just wear them for the one ride, and then I take them off right away and try to put on some clean clothes, and then yeah. You know, I've I've never had any issues, issues. Um, the last couple of years. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So you commute to work. How long is your commute? My commute is about two and a half miles. Okay. And it's downhill to work and it's uphill on the way home. I'm, I'm very... It's always like going to be one or the other, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um... So I know like in Montana or in Bozeman where you are just now, you guys have been hit with a lot of snow. So how, how does that change your commute? Yeah, the roads, sometimes, sometimes the roads are icy. Sometimes they're really ideal conditions. Um, I try to take the roads that are like not as high on the traffic side. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm riding with lights. Um, there are some instances where I've had to get on the sidewalk and ride on the sidewalk yeah. just because the plows come through and they pile up all the snow and all the snow just completely takes up the entire bike lane. Right. So there's honestly like, there's no space for me. So, um, I know it's technically not legal, but at the same time, early in the morning on a crappy weather day there's not a whole lot of people walking and jogging right. on the sidewalk anyway for sure so most of the time I've got it to myself but um yeah some days it's icy and I don't have studded tires uh right now I just have the fa- I'm just riding a fat bike with fat tires okay um that's gotta be so ideal is what's that that's got to be pretty solid, though, still, like, with all that contact, like, that surface area, like, hitting the ground. I'm sure that helps, like, to get a bit of traction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It adds a couple minutes to my commute, so I just have to leave a little bit early in wintertime to make sure I make it there on time. But um, as long as I'm careful and, like, sharp turns, um, I don't have any issues at all. And it's always beautiful and quiet and crisp. Um definitely wakes you up on the way to work with that chilly downhill yeah it's good it's good yeah yeah how long have you been commuting to work for like I sold my car in the beginning of April so I've been commuting daily since then dang good for you do you ever Mm -hmm. miss it Mm mm-hmm um you know occasionally it is it's really nice to have a car um going grocery shopping or even going adventuring on the other side of town or to certain trailheads. Um, but, um, honestly, like it's been a really cool, uh, experience Mm -hmm. and I've like learned and grown a lot. Um, I want to try to make it to one year before I even consider purchasing a vehicle again. Um, I think I'm going to treat myself on my birthday and I'm going to rent a car from enterprise and go go. for the day. Yeah, that sounds so good. it was yeah it's cheaper for me to occasionally rent than it is for me to own and right. um bozeman's only 11 miles from one side of town to the other so it just okay. it kind of just works here um yeah so i've been really really loving it and i've been learning a lot and i it's really interesting just in the last couple of years i've kind of had this shift from 
from um, road racing and racing towards um, just being really aware of uh, bike advocacy and bike commuting and um, riding in the city and infrastructure and bike lanes and that kind of stuff. Um, So that's been a really fun thing that I've um, sort of learned and something that's sort of changed a little bit about myself and um, I, yeah, I've been enjoying it. It's been a really, really cool experience. I've learned a lot. That's awesome. So you're commuting to work, you're working in the bike, uh, what sh- bike shop do you work in, in Bozeman? It's called Bangtail Bikes. Oh, cool. Awesome. And it was named after, it was just named after one of the mountain ranges. We have a, a mountain range called the Bangtail Mountains. Okay. Uh, and they were named that because Years and years ago, there were two brothers that were cowboys, and they had their horses on the same land, and they couldn't tell their horses apart. So one of the brothers chopped off all of the horses' tails, so he banged <laughs> their tails. Okay. So it was called the Bangtail Mountain. So okay. it was named after these guys with some horses. So our shop has a big horse, like, rotating outside on the outside of the building. It's really Awesome. Neat. That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. You also do photography. Um, I went to school for it originally, so um, started shooting in 2006, started shooting film, and went to college and loved it, so I um, took the photography class, uh, entered a um, competition to get a talent grant, and I got it, so basically the school paid for all my art classes. Awesome. So I did photography, and I did some painting and drawing, a little bit of design as well. Um, and when I graduated, I just sort of launched my own business. Um, friends were asking me to do things. And so I came up with a name and started doing that. Um, so I was a professional wedding photographer for about eight years. Um, and I'm still kind of doing it on the side just for people that know me and know that I do it. Um, but I recently took the website down just because I'm doing full time at the shop and I'm doing all this fitting and stuff, but, um, Yeah, so I did, like, my shop's website, and I do a lot of photography for work and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. I'll, I'll never be able to, to stop shooting. <laughs> yeah. I think I was uh, talking with Brooke last week, and I feel like there's so many, like, similarities between, um, like, life on the bike and, and like, art so whether that's like photography or art or music like we were talking about music but I really feel that it seems to be that like people that really enjoy the outdoors um that really enjoy like exploring Mm -hmm. in the mountain bike all that kind of stuff like they often will have like a similar um passion for for art or music or something that's creative um yeah would you say that that does like complement you well I guess like for your totally yeah yeah it's huge I mean photography and cycling go hand in hand so well it's yeah it's amazing I don't even know if I could pick one over the other because I love them both and they go together so well right um yeah I think part of loving the outdoors is just being in love with um beauty and natural beauty and wanting to capture that and like just the fact that like you're enjoying it so much it's like you want so badly to share it with other people so you want a way to to share that and translate it and um and yeah I feel like that 
they totally go together. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you, so you bike tour, like what, tell us a little bit about bike touring. Cause I, I know that, um, there's like a couple, like people hear of like the tour of whatever, like there's a tour of California tour, like here in Vegas, we have the tour to Summerlin, which is just basically like a, yeah. a big kind of like, um, Grand Fondo type ride. But, but you're doing okay. kind of like the, um, like the actual like bike touring, like bike packing. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. 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 So definitely, um, really good question. Um, there's a slight difference between, for example, tour of California and bike touring. Mm -hmm. So tour of California is a road stage race where you are, you are road racing the entire time and they have, um, various prizes for best climber, best sprinter, et cetera. You're going all out the entire time, full Lycra. You're not carrying any gear with you right. at all. Yeah. So that's Tour of California, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, so I was doing a little bit more bike touring and more of the bike packing category. So bike touring essentially is where you are exploring places, you're traveling, and you're just doing it all by bike. Mm-hmm. And bike packing is a little bit more of like touring combined with camping. Okay. Um, whereas you're riding and sometimes you're riding off road, you're riding off pavement, uh, maybe doing a bit of gravel and you're enjoying the camping side, being able to set up your tent, set up camp, build a fire. Um, it's a little bit, it's a lot slower pace. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in my opinion, um, so yes, I did some bike packing uh last fall. Okay. It was that was the first time ever that I experienced it. And um so you've got your setup, you've got like your racks and your panniers and you've basically got everything with you to you're self supported essentially. Right. Um whereas Tour of, of California's got like support cars and that sort of thing. So it's like you're carrying everything with you and you're responsible for you know, supporting yourself through however long this adventure is going to be. Um, so, yeah, my first experience bike touring, it was amazing. Um, I went out to Olympia, Washington, and we went up to the Olympic Discovery Route, which is a 30-mile mountain bike trail. Okay. Um, so I had set up my touring bike so that I would have the ability to do gravel and like some off-roading I set it up tubeless and um I had the most lightweight gear possible um and so we just went out and we you basically just ride um the way that we approached it is that we would just ride and we would stop whenever we wanted to for photos or snacks or whatever it was and whatever however many miles you get for the day is is what you got so there's no there's no rush and there's no like specific goal and then when you reach your campsite you set up camp and you do the whole camping situation so um yeah it was really really cool it was I learned a lot and I was surprised uh the initial the first few times that I practiced I was just really shocked at how slow I was going <laughs> <laughs> but um it was it was really amazing because I was able to just appreciate the scenery more and um and sometimes I think I just go too fast and it's good for me to slow down. So it was really, Absolutely. um, I think we can awesome all like experience. take a, 
we can all like, <laughs> or most of us, I think, can can you like just learn to slow down a little bit at times. I think we're all guilty of just like going a million miles an hour and you know not just like yeah. just not being able to stop and you know take in take in what it is that we're doing. You know, so like just being able to yeah, yeah being able to um kind of stop and smile the roses, I guess, as well. Totally, totally. Do you yeah, have- it was a good. Yeah, it was a good learning experience for sure. Yeah. Do you have any um any upcoming tours? Um, so <laughs> I was wondering if you're gonna ask me this. <laughs> I have yet to sit down and look at my calendar for twenty eighteen in any way, shape or form. Okay. <laughs> I've just been going a million miles an hour. I was in California and like prior to that I was in Florida visiting family for Christmas and New Year's. Right. Um but yes, to the short answer is yes. Um, I would like to, one of my goals for the year is to um, just save some money and like pay off debt. So I have decided not to race this year. So because I'm not racing, I am going to do a bunch of touring because it's free, right? You know, you're right. out the door and you just go. Right. Um so, yeah, I'd love to do some touring. I would love to go to the Grand Tetons, camp for a couple of days and, like, ride around there. Um, probably some time in Yellowstone, maybe Glacier. Basically surrounding areas that I can bike from, from my house. Go, take some time, spend a few days and just get away and um, turn the phone off and just enjoy enjoy awesome. nature and enjoy just being, being on the bike. So those are a couple ideas that I've got, but nothing, like, for sure like set on the calendar yet do you have to be i mean bears are a real thing out there right yeah do you ever have to like (laughs) (laughs) i mean not to like scare you or anything but um like do you have to take like kind of extra provisions to make sure that you're safe like and not gonna encounter bears i guess Or, or have you ever encountered any bears like being out there in the wilderness yeah the very first week after I moved here I saw a bear um I was going up a climb it's a local climb it's about eight miles from town and me and my roommate at the time came around the second corner and there was an adolescent black bear just sitting on the other side of the guardrail just staring at us Um, and so that was kind of my welcome to Montana moment. And of course we're climbing up a 6% grade and I've been at sea level, so I'm not acclimated. So we're just huffing and puffing our way. And I'm like, we can't outrun him unless we turn around, but going and he just sat there and watched us. Um, but yeah, there's certain areas where bears are more active and there's certain areas where bears are not active. And so, they actually have this stuff out here. I thought it was a complete joke when I moved here. It's not a joke. It's called bear spray. And it's basically like an extreme level of mace. Yes. And if a bear tries to attack you, you spray it with the bear spray. And so I always have it either in my back pocket of my jersey or if I'm carrying a camelback, it's on like the front, like strapped to the front shoulder so that I can just grab it in case I'm, you know, if you're yeah. off the bike and you're like peeing in the woods or you build a campfire, you want it to always be right there within reach, right in case. Um, so I've never had a negative experience with a bear, but I'm always um, definitely always aware of it, and it's good to just like 
throw your food in a bag and hang it from a tree um, right. just so they don't they don't try to crawl in the tent with you and that sort of right. thing. Right. <laughs> that would be like an, a very unwelcome surprise. <laughs> like wake up in the middle of the night and there's like a bear like nestling into you. <laughs> Yeah, it's just education, like, just being aware of, like, what their tendencies are and what they like and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like there's always, you know, depending on which area of the U.S. you're in, you're going to have, like, some sort of dangers that you need to make yourself aware of just so that you're prepared and educated. For sure. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but it's been super rad catching up with you and talking with you about all these fun um aspects of people getting into cycling and 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 also from your uh, recent experience out in morgan hill so i definitely want to thank you for for chatting with me and yeah this is awesome yes and we'll we'll let's um let's catch up again soon and maybe talk about um some more newbie bike stuff <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I'm all about it. I was a newbie not too long ago, and I love getting into the sport. Right. It's it's. I think this is like why. I mean, this is why we do it as well. Like there, like you know, people have like their yeah. own goals or or whatever. But ultimately, like I think that um, being an ambassador of a brand or a, a bike or anything like that, your goal is mm-hmm. not to be. Like your goal is really to to spread the word and to get more people out riding, and I think that we do that by yeah. supporting one another and and just kind of like just getting the information out there. And I think there's still you know there's still work to be done. There's still holes, and you know there's still holes in the industry, or there's still holes in like how mm-hmm. we're getting information out. But I think that it's definitely. Yeah. I feel a shift happening and we're, we're being more vocal about the things that, you know, you know, li- like talking about, like it's, you shouldn't be uncomfortable in your bike. Like your, your bike shouldn't make you numb below the waist, you know? Like, yeah. so I yeah. think just um, having opportunity to talk like this, I, I think is good. And it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction at least. Thank you so much, Lisa. This was awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll let you enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, cool. All Thanks, right. Lisa. Thank you. All right, folks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget about our Dirt Life series at Las Vegas Cyclery's Facebook page. And coming up soon, exciting details about our Dirt Life retreat coming this April, which I'm way stoked about. Um, so stay tuned for the details on that. Well, that's all from me for this week. Have a great weekend, everyone. And as always, stay dirty, my friends.